we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. AFA at the Core is the name of the show. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the program. Today's an exciting day, not just because I'm here, although that's one reason to be excited. Isn't that right, Bobby? <laughs> Bam! Just like that. Don't you love when you ask your producer to be excited for you? That's like the uh, notorious Jeb Bush, can everyone please clap campaign (laughs) speech. How dare you? (laughs) I think Biden had one of those too. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Biden had a please clap moment too in recent years. But if you have to ask people to clap for you, well... That speaks for itself. So let's not ask people to clap for the core. Let's just provide a good show, Bobby. Amen. And uh, people Amen. will organically applaud the program That's if we exactly do a good right. job. So a uh, little, little poking a little fun there. But on a serious note, why what I was getting at there before I took a rabbit trail is that we are live streaming on our own video streaming platform, website, streaming.afa. Dot net is where we are, streaming.afa.net. We are live streaming the core there. We told you this day was coming, and we are finally here. So if you want to watch the core live, you can do so, and we don't have to send you to somebody else's website. We can send you to our own, streaming.afa.net. If you have an account, excellent. All you got to do is click the login button, key in your credentials, and then uh, you'll be right there on the homepage where you'll see the core streaming live. If you don't have an account, that's all right. It takes you just a few minutes. You just need an email, uh, enter your information, create you a password, and then you'll have a free account there on our streaming platform. So if you want to watch the core, we are streaming live at uh, streaming.afa.net. That's our URL there. Go there and check it out. This is our first full launch day. We did some testing last week, uh, did a soft launch, but we are announcing it to the public. So go ahead and watch the core there. We will have two special guests. A couple of weeks ago, we were supposed to have on Char, um, Charlene Carter. She's a uh, was a flight attendant with Southwest Airlines. She was fired for her position on on the unborn, on human life, her position on abortion, and she won her lawsuit. So we're, we were going to have her on a couple of weeks ago. It didn't work out. We had some issues uh, getting her on on the line. So we're going to have her on again today, or we're going to have her on today rather. So you're not going to want to miss that. That'll be in the last segment of today's show. Uh, we are going to have Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. He's going to be on with us for a couple minutes in the next segment to talk about the flooding in Kentucky uh, and the tragic flooding in Kentucky. So we'll talk with Steve Tiber about 8 Days of Hope responding to Kentucky flooding uh, victims. We'll talk with Steve Tiber about that in the next segment. Well, we are in uh, Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32 is where we are this week. Verse 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, 
whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That's Psalm chapter 32, verse 1 and 2. Well, the question then becomes, how do we have our transgressions forgiven? How do we have our sin covered? How do we get to a place where the Lord counts no iniquity? How do we get to a place where in our spirit there is no deceit? Well, the answer to that, leapfrogging from this uh, First Testament or Old Testament writing from David, who was considered a righteous man before God, leapfrogging to where we are now, New Testament church, we can receive these same blessings that David talks about, but we can do so not through the law, not through following the rules, but through belief in God. That's how we get there, through belief in God, belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That's what Jesus says over and over again when he's questioned. What must we do to be saved? That's uh, there are people questioning Jesus. He said, believe, believe that I am the Son of God. So that's what we must do if we desire to have our transgression forgiven, sins covered, and uh, to have the Lord count no iniquity against us. Moving into some of our, uh, our topics for today, you got a busy news week. You know, um, the... Uh, the White House is, uh, before I jump to what the White House is doing, they're trying to brag about gas being $4.30 a gallon. They're bragging about it. No joke. I'll play that clip in a minute. But before I do, I do have some good news. And listen to this headline. This is out of the Gateway uh, Pundit. Uh, I think Bobby sent this over to me in recent days, if not today. But this is, uh, listen to this headline. Truth here. In the first 30 days after Roe v. Wade overturned, 61% of abortion clinics closed in conservative states. According to a report from Guttmacher Institute, over 60% of abortion clinics in conservative states with strict abortion laws, meaning we don't allow babies to be slaughtered, closed in just the first 30 days since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, reading more into this report, here are the states with... No remaining abortion clinics. So these states, many of them had a few abortion clinics, if not several, before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Here are states that now have zero abortion clinics. Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, and Texas. Here are states that lost several abortion clinics, but still have some, so they haven't completely abolished abortion. Tennessee, Ohio, South Carolina, and Georgia, those states reduced the number of abortion facilities or mills in their state. So very good news report, very good news report. Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Texas, all abortion-free. No more uh, abortion mills in those states. And to to think that... 
God will not unleash his blessings on states that have abolished abortion? Boy, are we wrong. According to God's word, he will honor those who obey him. He will bless those who obey him. And these states that are abolishing abortion, they will be blessed by God. What that looks like, when exactly it will take place, I don't know. I'm not God. But I just know that obedience to God and his precepts will bring about blessing. It will bring about blessing in due time. So states that are honoring God and protecting human life, those states will be blessed by God at some point in some way. Uh, That's not according to me. That's according to his word. So good for those states that are standing up for biblical values, that are standing up for human life. Well, to the story I teased, it's true. You know, the, the, the Democrats are very good, and, and Republicans can do this too, but, but mostly the Democrats, they are very good at trying to brag about bad news. I mean, they do this all the time. It's like they, they destroy things, and then they talk about how they're going to put it back together so nicely. <laughs> I mean, typically, you know, the person who, bla- who breaks your plumbing at your home isn't the one that you call to fix it. But this is how our world is now. I mean, people... They mess the, the Democrats come in, they mess up the economy, they mess up the military, they mess up our border, they destroy our institutions, and then they're the ones that are raising their hands to be the repairman. And it's one thing for them to raise their hand to be the repairman, but then for us to hire them to re- make the repair is absolute insanity. And that's where we are as a nation. So... Let's listen to the White House, the same folks that brought us $5 a gallon gasoline across this nation. They're here to save the day. Clip five. But there's also some positive uh, news that we should not overlook. I mean, the, the price of the pump is now $4.30 a gallon. There you have it, folks. Be glad. Be thankful, peasants. It's just $4.30 a gallon instead of $1.80 a gallon like it was under the Trump administration. What a, what a desperate plea for popularity. What a desperate plea for an applause. You know, that's worse than please clap. <laughs> that's worse than the Jeb Bush please clap. White House advisor says that, look, gas is down. It's down to $4.30 a gallon. If you don't believe me, Bobby, let's play clip five one more time. Listen to the White House. But there's also some positive uh, news that we should not overlook. I mean, the the price of the pump is now $4.30 a gallon. Well, folks, you know we're in a bad place when the White House has to brag about $4 a gallon gasoline. But that's where we are. This is where we are. And this is all brought about by the Biden administration because of their terrible, terrible policies, right? This is all brought about by the Biden administration for their terrible policies. So we can't forget where we came from and how we got here. We must, must remember that. And folks, let me just provide a piece of common sense advice for our audience, for the American populace. Don't hire the people that mess things up to fix things. 
please don't, all right? It's one thing for things to get broken, for, you know, things to be destroyed, but please, please don't hire those people that destroyed things to then supposedly put them back together. Very, very bad idea, but that's what our country seems to be doing. You know, we saw the Obama days, which look very vanilla compared to now. I mean, (laughs) Obama's like a moderate uh, looking at Biden's terrible administration now. And I know he, Obama wasn't a moderate. He's pretty radical as well. But, um, you know, we saw the Obama days. We saw how terrible it was. We saw how they disrespected our Constitution, how they went after uh, Christians around the country. Um, and the the terrible Obergefell Supreme Court ruling came down during Obama's days. So we saw all that. But the American population... Uh, many of them, let's just say this, voted for another Democrat in Joe Biden. Now, I'm not going to get into the numbers and how many of the votes were legit, but let's just say, you know, a large chunk of the country voted for Joe Biden. All right. I mean, look at California's numbers. Uh, look at New York and some of these other places. So we have a problem and we have a problem with voting for people over and over again that are the same people that uh, always create problems. They always create problems. Speaking of creating problems, you know, Congress is working on this Inflation Reduction Act. Anytime they have to name something like this, uh, it raises a red flag. Well, this quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act is actually going to do the opposite. You know, they're, they're trying to paint it and describe it as a bill, as legislation that taxes the rich, even though I absolutely despise that terminology and that rhetoric where we try to demonize people who are successful. But nonetheless, the the legislation that is basically the Green New Deal 2.0. So not only is it going to continue the assault on our fossil fuel industry, that's in this bill, but also it's going to raise taxes on, on nearly... Every American, they're they're trying to paint it as this is going to lower taxes and we're only going to go after the rich. No, no, no. I've got a study that I'll bring to you next segment. This legislation that Manchin and Schumer and Pelosi are working on is going to raise taxes on the vast majority of working Americans. We'll bring more information to you after the break. AFA at the core. Stay tuned. But the righteous are bold as a lion. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Michigan University head football coach Jim Harbaugh and his wife spoke recently at a Right to Life event in Plymouth, Michigan. He was then asked about his pro-life convictions during Big Ten Football Media Day by ESPN.com. He said, let's discuss it. We need to talk about it. It's too big of an issue to not give real serious consideration to. Any player on our team, any staff member, or anybody in our family or extended family that doesn't feel like they can take care of a baby, we got a big house. We'll raise that baby. I believe in letting the unborn be born. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Does your girl know what core beliefs bind all Christians together? It's important for her to know what to look for in a unified global church. This will help her develop a mature faith and still be a light in friendships with her unchurched peers. Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us that a three-strand cord is stronger because three believers together stand united in power. But when those three are bound by the truth of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, not even the gates of hell can shake us. Just as the Trinity commune together in perfect union, teach your girl to recognize and hold tightly to the truth of God and those who believe. When we know who binds us, then we know how to recognize the beautiful union in the body of Christ. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back with us. By the way, if you missed it, uh, the announcement in the last segment, we are live streaming on our own website. We are live streaming in the Core. By going to the URL, you can log in and watch the show. Streaming.afa.net is the URL. Streaming.afa.net is that URL. So you can go there, log in. If you already have an account, watch the core there. You It'll be on the homepage. You'll see the live streaming button. You can click it, watch the show. If you don't have an account, it takes you just a couple minutes. All you need is an email and a password. And uh, you can create a free account and you can watch the core at streaming.afa.net. So this is our first day uh, to have it up and running. I told you it was coming months ago, and we finally delivered streaming.afa.net is that URL. So go there and watch the core live. You can also watch some of the other programs live as well. Well, uh, we do have Steve Tyber with us, president, founder of 8 Days of Hope. Hey, Steve, welcome back to the core. Hey, guys, good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Hey, hey, Steve, doing, doing pretty well. Um, tell us, uh, I know we're heading into, I believe, hurricane season. Thankfully, we haven't had a, a major hurricane hit the U.S. Uh, to date, but there has been s- uh, another natural disaster in the Kentucky area. Tell our audience what happened there. Yeah, you know, I don't know if um, there's so much going on in the world. Sometimes things get kind of lost in the shuffle, but unfortunately, um, the number has been raised to 35, 35 people have passed in eastern Kentucky due to the flooding 
uh, over the last 72 hours. In fact, it's still raining and flooding this morning. Uh, the flood damage is widespread. Um, Eight Days of Hope just announced about two hours ago that we are deploying to eastern Kentucky. We plan to be there for multiple weeks. The information about the outreach can be found at 8daysofhope.com. But, you know, whenever we go into a disaster, when there's loss of life, it really changes the dynamics uh, for the volunteers. And, you know, we, we have a bunch of volunteers, 50,000 volunteers have traveled the country with us, Walker, and, you know, they're, they're ready to, to do something, to, to use their hands, their gifts. But this is going to be a unique one because families just need to be listened to and have a shoulder to cry on. Communities are suffering and the need is great in Kentucky. Mm. Steve, what does uh, what does this look like compared to some of your other uh, responses? Because you know, flooding—I know some many of the hurricanes cause flooding, but this is purely a flooding incident. What does this look like from a response perspective? Yeah, so this this outreach is going to have a lot of obstacles. And again, our leaders were there within twelve hours, touring many communities. One, it's rural. So we were in Beattyville, Kentucky, a couple of years ago. And our volunteers had to drive 20 miles sometimes to go visit a family who had lost everything and they were waiting for assistance. So it's a lot different than going to Hurricane Harvey and there's 330,000 homes, every subdivision. You know, you can hit a house with a rock and, and find a family you can serve. So this is rural. The other challenge has been, Walker, uh, a lot of roads are impassable. And I think one of your producers were saying off air that, you know, it's still raining there and it's still flooding. And it's not safe for our leaders and our volunteers to go in just yet. But our volunteer leaders will start arriving tomorrow night and Wednesday morning. We're actually going to be in a town uh, called Bear Branch, uh, Kentucky, which is about an hour and a half southeast of Lexington. Um, But we'll be serving the communities of Bear Branch, Hazard, Hindman, uh, Boonville. There's a lot of areas that have seen significant flooding. And again, when you volunteer with us, it's free. We provide the food and lodging. You have to be 18 years of age, and again, all the information is on our website at 8daysofhope.com. All right. Uh, there you have it, folks. That's Steve Tiber. Hey, Steve, thanks for coming into the core for a few minutes, and we'll be sure to continue promoting the, the volunteer site. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you guys, and uh, say hello to everyone for me, please. Uh, all right, Steve. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, 8daysofhope.com is the URL there for Steve Tiber. 8daysofhope.com. You'll see the link right there on the homepage. Eastern Kentucky is where their uh, rapid response team is going to deploy to uh, to help those who were uh, affected by the flooding uh, there in eastern Kentucky. And, uh, Bobby, you were mentioning during the break that uh, some other areas, you know, there's a lot of couple states there that intersect. There's some other states that were impacted as well. Yeah, it, um, it makes it difficult for relief organizations such as Steve's with Eight Days of Hope uh, because it's widespread. It, it's not just eastern Kentucky. Of course, that spreads into the other parts of Appalachia where uh, West Virginia is involved. Uh, the western part of Virginia is also involved. And uh, 50,000 people sounds like a lot of people. And, and it, in fact, it is. But uh, there's always room for more, it seems like. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In all that area. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eight Days of Hope, by the way, they're going to be there. This is all on their website. They're going to be there August 6th through August 20. So August 6th through August 20, that's when the rapid response team is going to be there. You can volunteer on their website, 8daysofhope.com. 8 is spelled out, 8daysofhope.com. 
Com. You must be 18 years or older to serve. Of course, it's free. They provide food and lodging. You just need to sign up. 8daysofhope.com. We'll share that URL on our podcast page uh, as well, which is at AFR.net on the course podcast page. Well, back to some of the stories I want to make sure we get to. Well, the one on this uh, piece of legislation that is likely going to pass. This is all part of the budget process and you know, they lump all things in this budget process, that even stuff that's not really uh, directly related to the budget. But as far as whose taxes is going to go up, should this bill become law, which it likely will be because they got Joe Manchin from West Virginia supporting it. But here's a breakdown, and this is a report from the Joint Committee on Taxation. Once again, this is a report from the Joint Committee on Taxation. So they studied this legislation, and here are their findings. If you make less than $10,000 a year, you're going to pay 3% more in federal taxes. You're going to pay 3% more in federal taxes. That's, that's the impoverished line. So we're going to tax the impoverished more under this legislation. Not a lie, not a lie. Uh, the group that the the only group where taxes will go down under this study is the group that makes between ten to twenty thousand dollars a year. All right, their taxes will supposedly go down five percent, five percent. Everyone else, and I mean literally every other group, income group, their taxes will go up. And I'll continue going through these numbers. So if you make uh, let's just simplify this. If you make anywhere from twenty thousand to one hundred thousand per year, your taxes will go up one percent. These are middle income families. These are middle class families. If you make uh, anywhere from one hundred to two hundred thousand, your taxes will go up one percent. If you make anywhere from two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand, uh, your taxes will go up one point five percent. The highest brackets you have here, as far as increase, is the one million and over, and it's one point nine percent—a whopping one point nine percent for that group. Now, of course, that ends up being a lot of money, but nonetheless, the point here is that number one, I don't like the tax the rich and the rich are evil narrative and talking points, it's completely unbiblical, all right? So if we're going to pay taxes, let's just all pay taxes and let's pay a flat tax or a fair tax. None of this, well, if you're in this group, then you pay this percent and that group, that percent. No, let's just all pay X percent of taxes, all right? That's the first thing. But secondly, the demonization of the rich is immoral, it's unbiblical, and it has no basis in reality. So just because someone is successful and they have more money than me, that doesn't make them mean or evil or bad people. The, 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 the majority of our country's private companies and small businesses are run by people who are successful, people who have money, people who have wealth. And to, to provide blanket caricatures are, are mean talking points against those group of people. I mean, these are the job creators. All right, these are the business owners. These are the people that hire workers. 
Um, there's nothing wrong with being successful. Now, um, so so this bill, this legislation is going to raise taxes on the vast majority of taxpayers, including middle to low income families. And then it's also going to pump billions, hundreds of billions into this quote unquote Green New Deal, which is, you know, the electric vehicles, the solar panels, the lithium batteries, the windmills, as if that industry was not subsidized enough. And this is on top of our federal government spending. And so, point being, this legislation is terrible, terrible for the American economy. And don't believe the talking points. All right. Don't believe the talking points. This bill is bad all the way around and um, and should not be passed. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. That's the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that's circulating uh, amongst Congress right now as we speak. Well, moving on to a few other stories. This uh, this Nancy Pelosi trip to Taiwan, it's quite interesting. You know, Bobby asked me this morning, so what's going on, Walker? Well, I don't read minds, but just looking at this, I really don't know what's going on. I really don't know what's going on. I We do know that Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, and Nancy Pelosi herself, um, they are pretty invested in this chip industry, meaning this, the, the semiconductor computer industry. We saw the report where Paul Pelosi, you know, bought, hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, chip stocks before they pass the chip subsidy bill like the day before. So if you can't make the insider trading more obvious, talk to Paul Pelosi. He knows how to make it as obvious as can be. Then he reneged. He actually sold it, lost a couple hundred thousand bucks because the spotlight was on him. And there were reports of an investigation into his uh, supposed insider trading. And, uh, this kind of stuff goes on in Washington all the time. So is she going to Taiwan because they are the chip manufacturing hub of the world? Maybe. I don't know. I do know this, that China is not happy about it. All right. China's our enemy, by the way. Also, I know that uh, Pelosi is the highest ranking official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. So this is not where, you know, the U.S. sends over senior officials, dignitaries every year to Taiwan, every other month. This is standard business like we do with Europe and Mexico and other nations. We haven't sent a, a, a U.S. official ranking as high as Nancy Pelosi in 25 years to Taiwan. So why now? Why are we sending Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan now? And then the, 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 the talking points will be this, mark my word. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is standing up for Taiwan's independence. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is standing with our ally Taiwan against Chinese aggression. All this stuff sounds very noble, right? Uh, Nancy Pelosi is, is uh, uh, showing resolve and, 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 and showing that she's concerned about the security of the semiconductor industry. And they'll come up with all these fancy talking points. It'll just sound like she's the most virtuous person around. But in reality, 
Nancy Pelosi and others can't claim any virtue as it relates to defending Taiwan against Chinese aggression. And here's why. The same ruling class that Nancy Pelosi is made up of and made up with, this is the same ruling class that has enabled Chinese expansion and aggression and influence on the West for decades. And, and so it's, it's, like, it's like the whole mantra against Russia. Well, you folks allowed Putin to get to where he is today. And, and you want us to, to let you spend billions and trillions to fight Russia when y'all let Russia, I'm saying y'all, the people in Washington, the elites, the foreign policy experts, they let Russia get to where they are today to where they can take over Ukraine without batting an eye. And they use Ukraine as a funnel to put billions of dollars and money there. And all those, all that money, mark my word, makes its way back to the coffers of the politicians in Washington, D.C. If you don't believe me, then read up about Hunter Biden and Burisma. Read up about Joe Biden and his trips to Ukraine under the Obama administration. But Nancy Pelosi hasn't been to Taiwan or a, a, a U.S. official ranking as high as Nancy Pelosi hasn't been to Taiwan in 25 years. But all of a sudden, we are urgently concerned about Taiwan and their security. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. So why is she there? I don't know. But I can tell you this much. Any claims of concern or claims of being strong against China is disingenuous. All right? It's disingenuous. You can't allow... This goes back to... Uh, Nixon, then you've got Clinton, you've got all these deals that were done by Democrats where they enabled China, they they emboldened China economically to where China is a economic and military powerhouse now. Now, have they bypassed the U.S.? No, but they sure are on the way to. And our ruling class in Washington, D.C., including the Pelosi's, have done nothing to fight China's advance on America, including strengthening our domestic supply chain, producing our own energy, and not shipping off our jobs and our manufacturing to China. Pelosi's been around for all of this China advancement on America. But here she is, 2022's here, and all of a sudden, She's deeply concerned about securing Taiwan's independence. Give me a break. We'll be back in a few. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. 
Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m on American Family Radio and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. When does life begin? This is Ken Ham, co-author of the popular book on Noah's Flood called A Flood of Evidence. It's a question of life or death. When does a human life begin? Now, a culture likes to pretend we don't really know, and so abortion is okay. It's just a clump of cells, a part of a woman's body. But using vague language like that doesn't change what abortion actually is. Murder. You see, we can know when a life begins. At fertilization, when the father's sperm meets the mother's egg, a new person is formed. This person is genetically unique. There's never been another person like him or her, and never again. No new genetic information is added after fertilization. Everything that made you was present at that very moment when your life actually began. Discover more about the sanctity of human life when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. You'll be emboldened to stand for life with the resources and teaching at AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Well, we are live streaming on our streaming platform. The URL to go ahead and create a free account or log in is streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. You can go there, log in. If you don't have an account, that's all right. It takes you just a couple minutes to create a free account on our streaming platform, and you can watch The Core live there. So go ahead and bookmark that and uh, be sure to watch the show each day there on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net. Well, we do have a special guest with us. I told you uh, that she would be joining the core. We have on with us Charlene Carter. She's a former uh, flight attendant with Southwest Airlines. Charlene, welcome to the core. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey, doing, doing, yeah, doing pretty well. Glad to have you on the show to hear your story. Well, uh, some of our audience probably read uh, what uh, what went on with Southwest and yourself as far as you being a flight attendant there. But for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how things have developed in the last year or so. Okay. Well, um, I was a uh, 
flight attendant. Well, I, I went to work for Southwest back in 1996, and I was a uh, flight attendant until 2017 when my union president uh, turned me into the company and got me fired um, for union business. Um, they had taken uh, 20-something women to the um, Women's March right after Trump had been inaugurated. And we as members of the union, and now I was an objector, which, and I'll explain that here in a few minutes, but my dues were still paying for this. Um, they, we paid for their lodging and their food and their transportation and any other incidentals that they decided to do while they were there at that march in D.C. I complained about it. Um, after the fact, because we didn't even know that they were going until after they started releasing all the videos and pictures and how proud they were to march in this march. And um, when I complained about it to my union president, um, they fired me. And so in the last five and a half years, I've been fighting both the union and the company um, in regards to my Title VII, my religious beliefs. And then also under the Railway Labor Act, we have complete autonomy when it comes to the company getting involved in union business. But unfortunately, through um, that last president, Audrey Stone, she made it a point that the company got involved in union business, which is um, not legal. Mm. Charlotte. So, um, yeah, Charlotte. L- let me ask you this. So, so let me get this right. Uh, the were the union was it was the union membership and the union fees mandatory or optional? No, they're mandatory. Yeah, that's that's how the majority of these unions are. There's a few exceptions where you can voluntarily join unions, but so so. And I know you've you've uh, you won your court case, which we'll get to in a minute. Which is uh, this point's going to make sense eventually, but you are. You were forced to be a member of this union, so you paid dues involuntarily, but but you decided to actually voice your opinion, and then you were fired from your company, Southwest Airlines, because you dared to voice your opinion about an issue that matters deeply to you with a union that you pay dues to. Do I have that scenario correct? Yes, you have that correct. <laughs> well, uh... Tell, tell us how this story progressed, Charlene. After you were fired, what happened then? Okay, so the National Right to Work Foundation, because um, I called around to a lot of different attorneys, and nobody understands what, um, especially under the Railway Labor Act that we fall under, um, how that works with the union and the company. Uh, nobody really wanted to touch this lawsuit, Um so I ended up contacting the National Right to Work Foundation, and Mark Mix is the uh, is the spokesperson for them, and he's an amazing person. But I had been following them uh, for quite some time, and I learned more about what unions did because of the National Right to Work Foundation years back. And so when I reached out to them, they took a look at the case, and they thought, oh, my gosh, yes, I mean, this is something that we want to take. And so they did, and they have fought tirelessly for me and have just been, I I can't even explain how blessed I have been with this foundation behind me um, and fighting. 
So, yes, I was forced um, when when I became a flight attendant at Southwest Airlines in 1996, the last day before you graduate or when you're graduating, the union comes in and they make you sign up for the union. Now, you can become an objector, which is called a fee-based flight attendant. Um, I did that back in 2013 due to a lot of nefarious stuff going on within our union. And I just got tired of it. So I became an objector, which means um, I still pay dues, but every quarter international, okay, now get this, every quarter international would refund me a portion, which is a very small portion. It was like $27, $28 every quarter of my dues money that the local would send to them that they could not use for political purposes. (laughs) So they would give you your your own money back. A little bit of yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, without without interest. Yes, yeah, without interest. But um, but what's funny is that they tell you they don't get into politics. Local tells you they don't get into politics. But yeah, you know, and if you want to contribute to politics stuff, you get um, you you end up getting um, involved in the cope, and cope is um, you know, a donation that you end up giving through your paycheck that is supposedly what they use for political purposes. Well, the thing is, is when they went to that march, that was a political march. Mm -hmm. And it was against a president that was duly elected, Mm -hmm. but the main sponsor there was Planned Parenthood. And so they, like I said, my union president took 20 women or so. Um, They had positive space passes on Southwest because Southwest pulled them for quote unquote union business sent them to the march, and the banner that they also had uh, represented Southwest Airlines because it said uh, the flight attendants of uh, local 556 uh, and the union of Southwest Airlines flight attendants. Mm. And so they represented us as a whole um, there at this march. Um, And once again, didn't represent us as a whole. So, um, yes, when I found out about you know, who the sponsor was and the the hats that they were wearing and the way that we were being, you know, portrayed in this march. To me, it was a slap in the face when it comes to, you know, us being professional flight attendants. If you if you want the public to understand what you really do as a professional flight attendant, going to this march and wearing pink um P-hats is what I'll call them, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and marching in this horrendous, what I'd consider, you know, show of just total disrespect for women, mm. um, even though it's for women, right, women's rights, um, it just really got to me. And then the fact that Planned Parenthood was the sponsor. Well, so. uh, Charlene, after you, after you found a uh, uh, an entity and attorneys that would defend you against your wrongful termination. Uh, where was that? Where was this case litigated and what was the jury's decision? Okay. So we litigated in the Northern district of Texas, um, being that, you know, Southwest is home base is in, in Texas. And then also our union is, um, our local is there in Texas. So we went ahead and, you know, was in, um, Judge Brentley Starr's courtroom, um, and it was litigated uh, with seven of my peers um, as being jurors, 
and I ended up winning the entire case against both Southwest and the union. Um, it was a pretty clear case. Um, there's a lot of evidence in this case. Um, there's a lot of evidence that a lot of the people in the public don't even know still, and it'd be interesting for everybody to read the transcript because you've actually got a union and a company colluding together to harm flight attendants that don't agree with either the union that is representing them or what the company is doing under the contract. Mm. So there's a lot more to this than just my Title VII rights, um, retaliation, and then on top of that, the Railway Labor Act, Um, and then them shutting us down. So we didn't have the freedom of speech that we're supposed to have. Yeah, this is this is huge, Charlene, and not just for you, but to your point, for other workers. You know, this sets a good precedent moving forward to protect workers from uh, for uh, protect them and allow them uh, to be able to raise concerns about issues that unions or companies are dealing with uh, that maybe run counter to the values of each respective employee. Well, Charlene, uh, thank you so much for having some courage, having some backbone. Uh, not just being the victim here, but going out, finding attorneys that would represent you and litigating this. I mean, this is a long time in the making. You're talking 2017 to now. Um, Are you glad that this is uh, finally over with, at least from a legal perspective? Yes, I actually am. It's it's given me my life back. Um, And Mm. win or lose for me, I just wanted my day in court. I wanted to prove um, what had actually happened to me. And that was, you know, given to me, and I'm so blessed for that. And like I said, I'm over the top, you know, when it comes to the verdict, because the jury really paid attention to how this case became. And for five and a half years of my life, um, it really took its toll up and down. But to now have the victory for not just me, but for many, many other um, workers out there, whether you're in a union or not, your freedom of speech and your religious beliefs should not be trampled on by Mm. any of these companies. Hey, man, this is so encouraging, Charlene. Well, thanks for fighting. Uh, Keep uh, speaking the truth. I know you will, as you're doing on this show, and uh, maybe we'll have you on again sometime. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me, and you guys have a blessed day. All right. Thanks, Charlene. That's uh, Charlene Carter, and uh, she's a former Southwest Airlines flight attendant that was uh, wrongfully terminated by Southwest in collusion with a union that's supposed to be representing her, by the way. Um, And so she filed suit, a civil suit against um, uh, the union and the airline, and she actually won. She won five million. She w- uh, was awarded five million yep. uh, yep. dollars. This is just in the last month or two. Uh, we actually ran a story on American Family News about Charlene, and so we'll be sure to publish a link to that uh, to our news team and their report on Charlene and the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. That's the group that represented her, led by Mark Mix M I X. Uh, so good for them. Bobby, that's so encouraging. You know, um, all it takes is one person. Yeah, that's a great precedent to be set, especially in that business, because they can be at the whims and wishes of the union, whatever the union decides, and in cahoots with, you know, the company, which normally they don't agree on anything. Mm. But when it comes to infringing on people's personal rights and so forth, they don't have any problem with taking that to task and 
uh, kudos to her. I mean, that's you know that's impressive for her to to step out like that. And and I mean, it's a long fight. It's a seven year fight, but mm-hmm. um, good honor. It's um, almost a seven year fight. Uh, yeah, great to see. Great to see the little guy win. Once yeah, in a while. she stuck it out. You know, she stuck it out, and just just uh, you know, a lot of a lot of times, folks, what happens is is you get you get attorneys involved and you get the law involved. And uh, a lot of people just settle. I mean, a lot of victims, genuine victims, just settle in court. They just, well, they don't settle in court. They settle pre-court uh, between the two parties. And they'll say, well, you know, you, you have the risk of losing and you're going to have to pay attorney's fees and this is going to occupy your life for years. And don't you just want to move on? I mean, that's 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 the talking point of every, almost every attorney in this land. And uh, Charlene said no. And uh, her attorneys, Mark Mix and the um, the group there, they said uh, at Na- National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, they said, no, we're not going to quit. We're not going to settle. Uh, we're going to fight this thing out because we, we believe we have a just cause. We have a righteous cause. And they did. And uh, Charlene won $5 million in a Texas court uh, with a jury of peers. Uh, she won that case. So good for her. And um, a lot of these unions are probably be paying attention to that ruling. A lot mm-hmm. of these corporations will be paying attention to that ruling because you know when you when you dig more into these unions nowadays, now unions have morphed um, into you know many of them were set out for probably good purposes, but it's really gotten to where a lot of these unions are just they're just political hacks. I mean they're they're just Democrat operatives and they take these mandatory fees and they hardly do anything. Uh, to represent the actual employees. I mean, they 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 they, they fundraise with the Dem- they give money to the Democrats. They go to these left wing events. They spend all the kind of money on lavish, you know, lodging and food in the name of representing the employees. Um, so unions have definitely morphed over the decades. But I I found it interesting that the little portion that they gave her back of her quarterly dues. She had to get get that back because it had nothing to do with the political ramifications of the union. So, it, that percentage of uh, political involvement is huge as oh, part yeah. of the union dues. Absolutely, pretty heavy. Uh, unions, in large part, they are political machines. So let's don't deny that. Good point, Bobby. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us on the show. Hey, don't forget, we've been streaming. On our website, live streaming the video, streaming.afa.net. Check it out. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.